Lord, we at Freedom Church do sing hallelujah to you because you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the God of gods and the creator of the universe and creator of this world and creator of each and every one of us individuals. And you love your creation, Lord. You love your creation so much. You fell short of your glory. You loved us so much that you sent your only begotten Son. And this is the, the time of year when we proclaim it loud and clear that you sent your only Son as we celebrate the Christmas season, which has been, getting, has been hidden by all the decorations and different things in the world, Lord, that we brought into it. But, Lord, it's all about you. Christmas is about you, you, the Savior of the world. So, Father, with joy in our hearts, with blessing in our being, we praise your holy name and your great love towards us. That while we were yet sinners, you sent Jesus. You weren't satisfied with the blood of bulls and goats. You were satisfied with holy blood, the blood of yourself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And with that precious blood, you have redeemed us, sanctified us, cleansed us, saved us. And we're so grateful. We're so grateful, Lord, that Little Freedom Church here wants, to, wants this, the world to know Jesus. Lord, I got a card in the mail this morning. A person in another state thanking us for the missionaries that that are part of this church that go out and, and serve the world, whether it be different parts of uh, Brazil or Africa or, or even in the Holy Land, Lord. We, we, uh, they were thanking us for this little church doing such great work. And it's because your Holy Spirit is upon these men and these women that go about these things. And it's because of the church's support of them and support of their own church. And we thank you, Lord. Father God, this is your day. Every day is your day for us because we're Christians. We believe not just on Christmas and Easter. We believe every day of the week, every moment of the day, because you are God and there is no other. We live our lives for you, Lord, because we love you. And we love you because you first loved us and sent your Son. Oh, how great thou art, O oh God. We could sing that song forever, how great thou art. And we just may be part of our, our allegiance to you in the kingdom of heaven. Father God, we can't wait for your son to get back here. You promised his second return. His ra we promised his rapture. You promised his second advent. And Lord, we're waiting. We're waiting patiently for the king of kings to come roaring through in the clouds and the dead in Christ to ride first, and that we who are alive and remain will caught up to meet you in the air. And thus we'll ever be with the Lord. And you told us to encourage one another with these words. Many of us in this room, Lord, we know that our loved ones that we love so much are in your kingdom now. And we know that, that you are taking good care of them, just like you take good care of us here on earth. And Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for for letting us know. Just like it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, the last verse, comfort one another with these words. So I am comforted, and I know many people here are comforted. This time of year when we, 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 we a lot of us have lost our loved ones, some of our loved ones, and we think of them, whether they died 50 years ago or 10 minutes ago, Lord, we love them, and we, we are comforted with your words. Words like, words like, you are the way and the truth of life, and no one comes to the Father but by you. Words like, for you so loved the world that you sent your only begotten Son. Words like, you're not slow about your promise, but you're patient towards us, not wishing that any would perish, but that all the world would come to repentance. A repentance, a sorrowful repentance, that leads to salvation through Christ Jesus. Lord, today is your day. Speak to us loud and clear through your Holy Spirit as we study your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of gods, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. You may be seated.
For everyone online, this is Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. We're, I'm, I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. I'm glad you're, you're there. If you're local, we're in West Palm Beach, Florida, actually Lantana, Florida, which is just south of West Palm Beach, Florida, just north of Boca Raton, Delray Beach, and uh, Boynton Beach. And we're, uh, if you're on local, get on I-95, head to High Paluxo Road, which is the north border of Boynton Beach and Lantana, and go west a quarter mile. We're on the right-hand side. We're a small family church, but one thing we do here, we preach the full gospel of Christ. We love Jesus with all of our heart. We're saved and redeemed by him, not by our good works, but we do good works because we love him. So... We thank you. If you're out there, come on by 2810 High Paluxo Road, a quarter mile west of I-95 on the north side of the road. So if you're online watching us, we're here every Sunday at 10 a.m. And we get a new audience right now, which we're speaking to at about 1030. And we're glad you're here. Stay tuned. Get your Bibles out. We're going to be in, in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start at the 25th verse and go to the 38th verse. So... Um, Get your Bibles out, because we, we study from the Bible. It's not just a bunch of stories. We may, I may tell a story, but it's not a bunch of stories. We stick to the Word of God at this place. So um, if you're online, Freedom Church PB stands for palmbeach.org, freedomchurchpb.org. You can go to our website. You can find that address. You can see our list of ministries. You can look at our service times. You can even donate online should you, should you wish to. And as I shared a little earlier, you know, a couple couple of ministries I've been hearing on the radio, you know, they've been saying that that uh, 25 to 30 percent of their income comes in on on December. And uh, you know what it is? It's probably a lot of people giving their end of year donation, you know, that so that they don't give it to Uncle Sam, you know, rather give it to God and let the work go forth, you know. But I don't think an atheist would even want to give to Uncle Sam, you know. Or an agnostic, I think I'd rather give it to God. So, you know, give the word of money, you know, any of your monies to God, to whatever church you belong to, and we thank you for, uh, for your gifts and offerings and tithe. Another ministry that I listened to said that in December, this they, they you know, they, they, um, they need a tremendous amount of money. Of course, they're they're uh, they're expecting to get it because of the end of year offering. So. Um, if you think about it, we don't take an offering here. There's boxes in the back for those of you that don't know that. Online, we're just suggesting if you, you feel led by the Holy Spirit, that you should uh, give to uh, your prospective church or this church if you, you enjoy our services. Um, we're a real church. We don't have a Hollywood production here. I'm going to trip over my words. I might even forget a scripture reference. You know what? But the Word of God goes out. You don't need the Scripture reference. What you need to do is it's the Word of God. And the Word of God is piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirits, of joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. That's what we need. The Holy Spirit to speak to us today, to each and every one of us. So, um, unless the Lord builds the house, we're going to be laboring in vain. So listen, for, for those online, tune in next week, too. We're going to have... Uh, uh, pretty much mostly a worship service next week with a very short message. I'm usually a 45 minutes to an hour preacher, but, you know, for me, it's going to be a big problem to keep it at 15 minutes, <laughs> you know, but because I love the Word of God. I don't know about you, you people, but I just love the Word of God. And if you love the Word of God, the Bible tells us in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So you're in love with Jesus. Praise God. Anyway, I think that's the end of the messages. Thank you, Liz, for the worship. You know, we're and uh, for leading the worship so we can praise our holy God. Listen, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 38. Um, this is part of the Christmas story, but it's not the whole Christmas story, which you already know, you know, Christ was born. God so loved the world that he sent his son we know from Genesis 3 that when, when Eve was deceived and Adam sinned and fell short of the glory of God, we, we see that the, the Lord told, the, told us, the woman and us today, that the seed of the woman will crush Satan's skull. Right there is a picture of Messiah. When he died at Calvary with his last breath, he crushed Satan's skull. But Satan only bruised his heel. 
because he's alive and well, because he's holy blood. He didn't sin, therefore there's no penalty for sin, which is eternal death, physical death. So therefore, he was able to pay the price for all of us. And now, now we don't have to sacrifice a bull or a goat or anything to the Lord because the Lord was satisfied with the blood, the, the sacrifice of his son. So the Lord, it says in Isaiah 53:10 that the Lord was pleased to bruise him. He was pleased to bruise his own son so that you and me could be saved. Whew. Wow. Wow. Great love. Great love. Unconditional love. I'm going to read those verses for us here today. The title of this message is Christmas is about deity, not infancy. Christmas is about deity, not infancy. You know, a lot of people, even today, even Christians, you know, they like to uh, to keep Jesus as a little baby in a manger. That way they don't have to deal with the words that he said, like you must be born again. You don't have to deal with it. A lot of people are even offended, even even people that call themselves Christians. They're offended by, you must be born again. Listen, I didn't say it. Jesus said it two times in John chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 7. And it's mentioned several times in Peter's Gospels. Uh, Peter's letters, uh, that is. You know, so, you know, we're, we got to, we got to grow up. Jesus grew. And that's what this message is on today. We're going to see him, you know, as, as he grew. He was taken to Jerusalem as a baby, but he didn't remain a baby. Uh, we we uh, quoted Isaiah 9, 6, I believe it was today. It said, unto us a child is born. Yes, God came as a child. He humbled himself. Do you realize he put himself humbled before a human being? before two human beings to raise him. He trusted them. You know, he, he, he was humbled. He came to a humble home. Most kings, you know, that, that, that would claim to be kings, they want, a, they want a throne, they want power, they want authority, they want riches, but not Jesus, not God. He came as a child, humbled himself as a baby, and came in a manger, a manger to be... To be uh, led by his parents until, until he was old enough to start his ministry, and which we started when he was about 30 years of age, which we find out, you know, in, in Jewish history, you are not a priest until you're at least 30. You cannot be a priest. It's cool the way, the way everything just meshes perfectly. If you were putting a picture, a puzzle together, you know, 365 prophecies, pieces put together, they would just line up perfectly. And when that that puzzle was done, you'd see a picture of what God had, had painted, you know, of, of uh, Christmas or about life in general. Well, I don't want to keep Jesus a baby in my life. I wanted him to grow up. But the world is happy to keep Jesus as a baby. Some church people do this all the time, and we need to grow up. We're commanded to grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, you know, we're not commanded to, to just... Uh, Know him as a baby. He grew just like you grew. He grew up. And he had a ministry which was ordained by his father, which is the Lord God Almighty. A lot of people today, you know, they, they, they celebrate Christmas. They know it's about Jesus being born, the Messiah, the Son of God. But they're not willing, you know, to make him their, their sovereign Lord. Are not willing. This child grew to be a God, to be a man. Unto us a child is born, a son is given, and that son is the Son of God. If you read your texts, the, the S would be in, in the Bible in a capital letter. He's the Son of God. Yet he's the Son of Man. Son of God. Because the seed of the woman was implanted by the Holy Spirit who overshadowed Mary. And she became pregnant. And she even questioned it. How can I be pregnant? I, didn't even, I don't even know a man. I've never known him sexually. And of course, we know today, and as he told her, with God, all things are possible. Yet the central truth 
of the Christmas story is this child of Christmas is God. Is God. And I'll be sharing verses with you that will uh, tell you that as we move on. So I'm going to capitalize today on Simeon and Anna's testimony to who Jesus was. And so he, when he was about, I believe he was eight days old, he went to Jerusalem, most likely to be circumcised, because that was the Hebrew law, the law of Moses, and to be circumcised and dedicated to the Lord. And we're going to see him. We're going to look at the prophecies that were, were given to, to Simeon and, and Anna. But first, I'm going to do a little, little um, whatever God wants here to get us to that point. Because I do want to read the passage. And I want you to realize, whether you're online, whether you're listening down the road 100 years from today, or you're here today, I want you to know that Jesus grew. He didn't stay a baby in a manger, and therefore do not keep him a baby in a manger in your life. But he's the living God. He's the living God. I'm reading verse 25, Luke chapter 2, uh, on to, to 38, I believe it is. Yes. And be, I'm reading the New King James, by the way. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem, Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a word will pierce through your own souls also, that the thoughts of many hearts be revealed. Now, there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phineal, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years old, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she thank, gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for the redemption in Israel. Many people, I said, embrace Jesus as being the Messiah, but they don't want him to be their God. You know, Messiah isn't your God until you receive him as your Savior. That's what Christmas is all about. God so loved the world, he gave a gift. God gave you a gift, not just on Christmas Day or the day Jesus was born. They say, well, December 25th wasn't when Jesus was born. I agree, most likely. It's not the day, but I'm going to tell you what. The point is, he came. doesn't matter what, came, what day he came on. It came. And we need to know that. You know, he's the Messiah. And don't, and don't, you need to want him as your God and welcome him as the son of David into your life and the son of God also. Simeon was a just and devout man. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation means comfort. 
That's one of the meanings of it, comfort. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He'll give you comfort. We learn that, and even in Psalms 46, 10, to be still and know that he is God. Just pray, talk to him, and wait for him, and he will speak. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel, the relief. The relief, most Jews were thinking relief from the, the, the slavery of Rome. And that wasn't what God was talking about at all. He's talking about being free from the sentence penalty, which is eternal death if you don't find Jesus as your Savior. We're going to die. Short of the rapture, many of us will be seeing the Lord. We're going to pass through death. But if we believe, we're going to die once and not twice. Second death will have no power, no dominion over us which is spiritual death. It even means to reassure. And even Jude tells us, the seventh from Adam, Jude, who is the, the half-brother of Christ, you know, talked about and brought Enoch in, in the Old Testament, and he was the seventh from Adam, and he, has, he had a prophecy said, the Lord is coming with thousands of his angels. He's prophesying the, the second advent of the Lord already, seventh from Adam. And that's reassurance to all of us. The Lord comes with 10,000 of his, of his saints, says Jude about Enoch. It also can mean the root of the word that is translated from consolation. You can mean to call near. He's calling us near by, by Christ being Come, coming to earth. He's calling us near to him. It even proclaims invitation. You are invited to, the, to find the deity of Christ, not the infancy, infancy. It's nice Jesus was a baby. I'm certainly glad he came. But he came humbly in a manger, a feeding trough, wrapped in rags. Listen, if you're a king, kings don't do that. If you're a runner-up to be king, you know, like uh, things that have just happened in England. The queen passed, and the son becomes king. He wants a royal robe. He probably moved into a new house. He probably got new clothes. He probably did everything. He was wrapped in the finest of everything, new gems, but not Jesus. He came humble as a man. And he invites you to come to him. And also the root of that word for consolation means to give God gave you his son. He's inviting you. Jesus even told us in Revelation 3.20, he said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I will come in to him, and I will sup with him and he with me. That means you're going to have fellowship with the Lord. You've got to invite him in, though. He's not going to knock down the door and come in. God gave you a free choice. I'm telling you right now that Jesus didn't remain a baby. This Christmas is not about infancy. It's about deity, the deity of Christ. Isaiah, Isaiah tells us this, and it's, a, it's great for us here today because I look around the room and I don't see anybody that has Jewish blood in them. But Isaiah 9.2 says, the people who walked in darkness, they're going to see a great light. And, of course, we know that Jesus told us that he's the light of the world. And he said, after we go, he goes, we're going to be the lights in the world to proclaim the message of Messiah. He made himself, Philippians 2.7, tells us this, and I'm going to read it to you. Philippians uh, 2.7. Philippians 2.7 says this. Got the right verse here? Let's see. Philippians 2, 7. Yeah, I got the wrong verse. But here's what, uh, here's what the verse says. He made himself of no reputa reputation. He came humbly, not like normal kings would come. 
The second, the 26th verse, And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon walked so close to God that and he was in the Spirit when he walked into the temple. Anna was the same way. God spoke to him. He gave him a rhema word, a word personally for him. You just don't flip through the Bible and say, I'm going to see what God wants. Oh, let's see. This verse. You don't do that. That's infancy for you as a child of God. You've got to know the word of God. You gotta, but but in you might the Lord might tell you a verse, and you might turn to it, and you know that it was given to you by God, and that's called a rhema word, where you know Simeon received a rhema word. He knew it was personally for him, not just anybody, but for him personally, as the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And the Holy Spirit has just shown him that he has seen the Messiah. He, has seen, he was not expecting a baby wrapped in, in, in cloths. He was expecting most likely, like all Israel people, a, a conquering king to come riding in on a white stallion with his army and conquer Rome. And that wasn't going to happen. But Simeon actually recognized a baby was Messiah. You know, his whole philosophy probably had to be changed at that point. He was thinking a conquering king with a bow, and an arrow, and a spear, and a sword. But he sees this baby. He didn't question God and say, come on, God, this is a baby. How's he going to be the consolation of Israel? He just believed God. Just like Mary believed God. And she accepted the seed that was planted in her as being from the Holy Spirit. Just as Joseph believed God, he had one dream, and he knew it was God, and he did exactly what the Lord told him to do. Take Mary for his wife. Because what was conceived in her was from the Holy Spirit. This man was so sensitive to God. Oh, boy, don't you wish you were that sensitive to God? Sometimes I cry out, Lord, I don't hear the answer. I read your word all the time. I study your word, but I don't have an answer. And I'm just telling them to wait, I guess. He sees a baby, not a warrior, but he sees a heavenly king. This king, he knows, is the, is the Messiah that the Lord told him. And he knew somehow that he was going to conquer he might have been readjusted here. Instead of conquering Rome, conquering the penalty of his sin. Because he too, even though he was a devout man, he was a, a, uh, a just man, he was still a sinner. Just like you and I. For the scriptures are very clear. There's none righteous. No, not one. Isaiah even says, come let us reason together. Oh, Come on, reason together. Though your sins be red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. See, from the very beginning, we were sinners. We all inherited the sin of Adam. Eve was deceived. Adam sinned. Do you see the difference? Man is responsible for this sin. Man is responsible for death. You know, I tell God almost in every prayer that I pray... I hate death. But I say, I know you conquered death, Lord. But I still hate it because it took my mother, it took my father, it took my friends, it took some people in this church. I hate death. You know what? The Lord tells us that that's the last enemy that's going to be thrown into the lake of fire and all things are going to go where it was supposed to be in the first place. Even the devil, the unholy trinity, the antichrist, the, the prophet, and, and the devil himself are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. But death goes in after them. Aren't you glad? I can't. I hate death. It took two of my puppies. I'm upset about that. I really am. It's my fault. I sinned. I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. Because my parents didn't tell me. And you know why they didn't know any better? Their parents didn't tell them. And it went all the way back. All the way back. 
Some people got saved. Some people become righteous, but we, f we failed. Twenty generations have gone by since Jesus died on the cross. And Christianity is not, is not where it should be. He came into the, spirit, into the temple in the spirit when his parents brought the child Jesus. It was the custom, and I believe that the custom is the eighth day when he needed to be circumcised and dedicated to the Lord. Verse 28, Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God, and here's what Simeon said. Remember, he's, he's looking at a baby. Nonetheless, this baby's a king. And he's still a king, even though he's a baby in a manger. He knows that he's the Messiah. He knows he's the deliverer, the consolation of Israel that's going to bring peace. And Simeon blessed him. And here's what he said. The Lord, now letteth thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Simeon, again, he sees the baby. He didn't question God. He saw the salvation of the Lord. What did the Lord do to show him that? I don't know. Maybe he put a halo on his head. Maybe glory shone out from him. Maybe he was so shiny he never seen anything like that before. The Spirit of God was all over Simeon. Don't you wish? But you know what? You have more than Simeon had. Because you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Not when you walk in the temple, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He lives in you. He walks with you to, to the garden. He walks to you to, through, to your church, through the front door. He walks you to your house. He walks with you through the house. He's always with you. Elijah cried for a double portion. You have more than a double portion. You have the Holy Spirit residing in you. Wow, how did we miss that? Simeon now is unafraid of physical death. His eyes see the Messiah. He knows that the Holy Spirit told him, you're out of here whenever you see the Messiah. He's not fearing death whatsoever. As much as I hate it, Simeon didn't fear it at all. Because he knew what was going to happen. He knew. Simeon realized the, the prophecies that were prophesied over him, like Deuteronomy 18, let me give it to you. And I know I, if you've been part of this church, you've heard me say this before, but this is Deuteronomy chapter 18. And we're going to verse um, 15 through 19. Here's, here's Moses is going to be out of the picture soon. Joshua's going to take command. He's going to take them through the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Moses is telling the, the Israel this. This is what he says. The Lord your God will raise up another prophet like me. Prophet, capital P. For you, a prophet like me, from the midst, from your brethren, him you shall bear. Him you shall hear. I'm sorry. He's telling them, I'm a prophet. But a greater prophet's coming. A prof prophet with a capital P. He's prophet, priest, and king. Moses was a prophet. And a, really a king, if you could say it, over Israel. But he wasn't a, a prophet, priest. He wasn't a priest. Jesus is going to fulfill all of that. Verse 17. And the Lord said to me. This is Moses. The Lord said to Moses. What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet, capital P, like you from among the brethren. And I will put my words in his mouth, capital H, capital my. Capital my is God's talking. Words in his mouth, the Messiah. And he, the Messiah, shall speak to them of all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear that my words, which he speaks, the prophet speaks, in my name, I will require it of him. Moses is telling you, I'm leaving. Another prophet's going to come. 
It wasn't Joshua. It wasn't the kings that went by. There was other prophets that came, but there wasn't one that was prophet, priest, and king. So we go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And verse 22. Acts chapter 3 and verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 2. I want to be in chapter 3. Moses, this is 20, chapter 3, verse 22. For Moses truly said to the fathers, referring to what I just read you in Deuteronomy, the Lord your God will raise up for, a, for you a capital P prophet like me from your brethren. Him, capital H, shall you hear in all things whatever he says to you. And it shall be Every soul which will not hear that prophet, capital P, shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. You know what that's saying? Let me do it in a paraphrase. You're going to lose your soul if you don't believe this prophet. Jesus, Moses is saying a greater prophet's going to come. You better listen to him or it will be required of you. What will be required of you? It's answered right here in 23rd verse. And it will, shall be that every soul will not, who will not hear this prophet will be utterly destroyed from among the people. They're going to lose their soul. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father. There's one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, unless you believe I am, you will die in your sins. This prophet was bold. This prophet was the risen, was the Christ. This prophet was the baby that grew into a man. And we need to recognize him for that. Don't, you know, if you keep on thinking of him as a little baby, you, you're going to be, how can I say it? Ignorant to a lot of things. Ignorant to the fact that he wasn't just a baby, he was the Lord. I had one guy in this church that's no longer with us anymore. He moved on actually to the kingdom of heaven. He said to me, how can I love Jesus? He's a man. Boy, you missed the whole point. He is a man, but he's God in flesh. He's, he's God, man. He's the son of God. You missed the whole point. This isn't a sexual issue. This is a spiritual issue. Spiritual issue, he's the son of God. He's a man. He's God. Listen, we're going to all be, and we're all engaged to him that received Jesus as our Savior right now. God isn't looking for sexual relationships with us. He's looking for personal relationships with us. Listen, when you look into Jesus' eyes, you're going to see the beauty and the majesty of who he is. Your ashes will be turned to, to tidings of joy when we see him face to face. He's the greater prophet. And then here it says 31, verse 31 of, of um, Matthew or Luke 2, which thou hast prepared for before the face of the people. How has God prepared this Messiah before the face of the people? You know why? Now is 365 Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled in one man. And it was foretold of his coming. We know he was going to come. Daniel puts it right. Daniel puts puts the death of Christ right about the time of, of, um, of Israel when Jesus walked the streets of Israel. And it's, it's specific. From the time of the edit to rebuild Jerusalem to the, the coming Messiah will be 483 
years being being uh, not Roman, not our years, but Babylon's years of 360 days. That comes out to 183,770 days. You can count off the day from when the edit was signed to rebuild Jerusalem. You're going to end up 483 years later, 177,783,770 days. You're going to end up in Jerusalem around the time Jesus was crucified. So, you know what? The, pro the, the prophecy is so specific. And because of the intelligence of man today, actually men like Josh McDowell, great theologians, they actually pinpoint the exact day because of us being able to study, you know, how things work in the universe. It's amazing. It was foretold of his coming that all of us would be eligible to be saved, even the Gentiles who walked in darkness, they would be saved. Because God isn't slow about the promise, he, he said. He's patient towards us, not wishing any of us would perish. You know, God didn't even want Hitler to perish. He took no satisfaction in the death of, of an evil man. Why did he live so long? I think God just gave him more time to accept Christ. A light to the Gentiles and the glory of my people Israel. Like I read in Isaiah, you know, the people who walked in darkness will see a great light, Isaiah 9, 2. But the glory of thy people Israel? Why do you think most Christians love Israel? Because from Israel comes our salvation. You know who put this book together? The prophets, the priests, the kings, the, the scribes. They jotted it down word for word. And when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls in what, 1947 in Israel, they found in Isaiah chapter 53, there were only 17 different things that were wrong. Most of it was punctuation. You know, you know, some of it was stylistic changes. And one place they left out the word life, but it didn't change the meaning of the word. It was exactly, it was like a Xerox machine today. They protected these scriptures for us. For salvation is from the Jews. That's the glory of Israel. When I see a Jewish person, my son, I named his middle name David after King David. He's the glory, Messiah. This baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger was, was a baby. He was the glory of Israel, which is what Simeon was trying to say. Let me read. You'll read John 3.16. I already quoted it so many times, but I want you to go. I want to go to the a little further than just John 3.16. Let me read it to you, and you, you know this verse. If there's any verse that most Christians know in the Bible, it's this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Here's why. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but he sent him, not, but, but that the world would be saved through him. Then the next verse, God doesn't condemn you. Listen to this. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. If you're not a believer, you have condemned yourself. God never condemns you. He loves you with all of his heart. He weeps because you didn't accept Christ whenever he drew you into the kingdom, trying to draw you into the kingdom. You condemned yourself. Don't point to God. He provided a way of escape. Listen, if you got bit by a rattlesnake right now, and, and, and uh, Max over here has the antidote, and you say, I'm not going to Max. I don't like him. You're going to die. That's all there is to it. And that's what God, God provided the antidote for the poison of sin, which is death. 
He provided the antidote was by you receiving Christ as your Savior and you say no. I'm going to tell you right out, that's a stupid decision. That's an ignorant decision. You might have a master's degree or you might be a, a, a doctor, but that's not, not, not wise. Even a doctor knows if I don't take that antidote, I'm going to die. Here's the point. Take the antidote. God provided his son Jesus. We uh, Christmas time, we think of him as a baby in a manger. We sing Silent Night and Heart the Herald Angels Sing and all these, all these beautiful Christmas songs. And you need to receive him. Jesus became the light of the world. That's what he said. I am the light of the world as long as I'm in the world. Then he goes on to say, after I'm gone, you are the lights in the world. You're not the light. You are a light in the world. Gentiles, he's saying, will believe a light to the Gentiles and the Jews' glory because salvation comes from the Jews. All the disciples were Jews. Matthew, John, they were Jews. You know what they are now? Christians. They were first called Christians in Antioch, according to the book of Acts. You know what? So some of you may have Jewish blood in it and you not even know it because the disciples who accepted Jesus, you know, they, they were called Christians. They had to get rid of the, the tradition of, of uh, Judaism because it was blinding their sight. I look at it and I see, I see Jesus in it because, you know, it's not a physical thing is a spiritual thing. Sometimes we read the Bible and we don't get it. It's because we're looking at it as black ink on white paper. Instead, God's trying to touch your heart with the Spirit. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of them. Why? Why were they marveling? Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. The angel Gabriel stood right before her. Joseph's dream must have been really a reality dream. And I've had dreams where God told me to do stuff that was really real, and I've done it, and there's things, always things that God was going to do, and he did it. But this dream for Joseph was so real, even though Mary was worthy to be stoned, he took her as his wife and didn't know her, which means he didn't have sexual intercourse with her until after Jesus was born. And then we know that he had other sisters and brothers. Mary was not a perpetual virgin. She had other daughters and sons. Jude and James, writers of the epistles in the Bible, are two of them. They were marveling. I'm wondering, Mary and Joseph, and I think I'm the same way, maybe even, uh, probably worse. I'm probably the same way, you know. Um, God tells you to do something, or he's going to do this, and then you marvel, what happened? We should just believe it. They, don't forget, on this, on, at this birth, they encountered angels, dreams, shepherds coming to see this child born in a manger that was proclaimed by an angel to the shepherds that watched the sheep over Israel outside the city, probably the sheep led for sacrifice. And, and after the one angel left, you know, a glorious angel cried out in the heavens. A whole heavenly choir began to sing, and angels all around. The shepherds are telling Mary this and Joseph this. The star was glow in the sky, something that we can't even describe today. Even astro, even our, our scientists have a problem with it. Personally, I think it was put there by God for the moment. Not the moment, but it would have lasted several years because the kings got there, the magi, the the sorcerers really got there you know um, two years later or even three years later angels dreams shepherds a virgin birth Mary never had a man but yet she's pregnant and she's pondering these things and she even pondered later on in the scriptures and I'm wondering why and I, th I know why when I pray this prayer Lord I believe help my unbelief and Simeon blessed them, verse 34. 
and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the rising and fall of many in Israel, and a sign for which you will, which will be spoken against. Here's a prophecy. This child will cause the rising and the fall of many in Israel. You know what? As we read the Scriptures, we find out that the scribes and the Pharisees and a lot of Sanhedrin fell. They were the spiritual leaders, but they, they weren't godly at all. They didn't understand anything. It was all tradition and legalism for them. So this child, which grew to be a man, it's not about infancy, it's about deity, he grew to be a man, caused the fall of, of the Sanhedrin, basically. So a lot of them, some of them got out. We know Joseph of Arimathea and most likely Nicodemus came out. But it, this, this child is going to cause the fall of many people. But he's going to also be the rising of many others, many other nations. This child. This child was just a baby, but these things were going to happen. And as we look at Scripture, it already did happen. The believers, the rising of believers, the rising of prophets, the rising of apostles, the wrong rising of pastors and teachers, the lowly were, were lifted up, the slaves were freed from their sin bondage, the, you know, the, the humble were taken care of, and the sick were taken care of in the rising, even the peasants. Jesus didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save the lost, of which everyone was lost. You compare yourself against your neighbor, you might be pretty good. But you need to compare yourself against God. And if you compare yourself to God, you don't have a, a, a chance in the world. Because if you did not break the ten, if you did break one of the Ten Commandments, you're a sinner. And if you didn't break one of the Ten Commandments, you needed another 603 to go. And if you broke one of those commandments, you're guilty of all. And therefore, even if you did that, you have another problem because your sin was imputed to you from Adam and Eve. So you're a sinner. Face it. All have sinned. There's none righteous. No, not one. And the wages of sin is death, eternal death. Eternity's a long time. I wouldn't want my worst enemy to go there. Verse 35, And a sword shall pierce through your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There's a prophecy, number two prophecy in, in Simeon's words. A sword will pierce your soul. He wasn't talking about Rome killing her. He's talking about the sword of the Spirit is going to pierce your heart. A sword. Messiah is going to die. You're going to see it, Mary. Now, Joseph probably was gone by this time. Because Jesus assumed uh, authority in the family as he gave John to his, his mother, to John the Apostle. The sword shall, shall pierce your soul. He's talking about, can you imagine this? All the things that were done from the angel Gabriel talking to Mary, to Joseph's dreams, to their trip to Egypt and back, you know, and then... Jesus healing the sick, raising the dead, the blind seeing, the lame walking, and uh, the lame walking, and and he's 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 killed. Boy, that pierced her right to her soul, as it pierces us today. It should, anyhow. When I think of what Jesus did for me, there ain't no way I could have did what he did. There ain't no way I wouldn't have been cussing those soldiers and nailing me to the cross. There was no way I would have followed them like a lamb to the slaughter, like Jesus did. I'd have been putting up a fight all the way. Because I didn't want to die, but Jesus knew he had to die. That's what he came for, to redeem you and me. That's not a literal sword, it's a spiritual sword. Your Messiah, your son, is going to die. This sword will also reveal the hearts of men. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, and it reveals your heart. Jeremiah said, Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. 
as you read the Word of God, you know, you get convicted in the heart. Some people accept that conviction and receive Christ as their Savior, and other people say, no, I don't believe that. I'd rather go to hell and drink Budweiser. I got news for you. There ain't no Budweiser in hell. There's flames, darkness, and gnashing of teeth. So tell that demon that told you that to take a hike to the bottomless pit himself because he just lied to you. You're not going to have a sexual orgy in hell either. You're not even going to see anybody else. You're just going to hear them screaming because they rejected the blood of Messiah, the blood of the Son of God, the blood of Almighty God, and they trampled it under their feet. How much further, you know, why shouldn't they? Thank God you and I have not trampled on the precious blood of the Savior. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, I don't deserve him. This is not just today. This is past, present, past, past people, people that have gone before, people that are now. Verse 37, and, the, and she was, oh, 36, 36. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phenel, of the tribe of Asher, she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. Simeon just gave a motion that this is the king of kings. And Anna is seconding that motion right here. You've been in board meetings before, right? Somebody makes a motion, and Simeon made a motion, and Anna seconded. That's right, this is the Messiah. And she was a widow of about 84, four score and eight, four score and four years, that's 84 years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. This woman was as devout as Simeon. She was as just as the Simeon. And there was nothing going on between them either, like Eli's sons did around the, the temple, or not the temple, but the tent of meeting. This man, this woman loved the Lord their God with all their hearts. They saw things that people never see because they were, they were humble. Anna comes from the tribe of Asher. And Asher, when he was, when he was blessed, Jacob blessed Asher, and he said, your bread will be big. In other words, the tribe of Asher is probably the people that make your donuts for you and your bagels. He's saying to her, the tribe of Asher, Asher was blessed by Jacob, and his blessing was fat bread. And you know what Anna's telling you? You're receiving the fat bread right now, the bread of life. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Anna's told that she, she, she is seconding the motion to the bread of life. Jesus Christ. She served God for 84 years, fasting and praying in the temple day and night. Talk about devotion. Wow. This woman loved God. And this man, Simeon, loved God. And you know why they heard from him? Because they loved God. And if you love God, you will hear from him. He will speak to you. He will talk to you. His presence will be felt. And coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all that looked for the redemption of Jerusalem. Listen, I used to think the woman at the well was the first evangelist. And now I'm looking at Anna here and I'm thinking, she's the first evangelist, woman evangelist. She, did, she told everybody about him that looked for the redemption of Israel. She was evangelizing all that were looking for salvation, for justification, for deliverance. She was telling them and seconding the motion to what Simeon had prophesied. 
we're told in the scripture, Colossians 1.14, Ephesians 1.7, Hebrews 9.12, 9.15, Romans 3.24, 3.25, that in him, in Christ, we have redemption. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law, which is death for your sin. You have been redeemed. You've been justified. You've been set free. The Greek word there means sanctified, salvation, saved, delivered, healed. You've been healed. What a great God we have. What a great God. Jesus didn't remain an infant. There's only a few times in Scripture you see Jesus as an infant. And it's mostly in Matthew and Matthew 1 and Luke 2. If we, went, we continue to read on, we'll see Jesus in the temple at 12 years old. And that's the last we ever see of him. But we have three and a half minimal years where he was healing people, raising the dead. The ministry was fulfilled. Simeon's prophecy came true. And a second motion to it is true. And Jesus is in the, in the world, you know, healing the sick, raising the dead. But today, people love the celebration, but they don't do anything about the baby in the manger that grew to be the, the Savior of the world. Why? Why don't we look to him? People today, they sing of the nativity, but they outwardly, blatantly reject his authority. Why? Why do we do it? Hi, I'm as guilty as you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. As I always tell you many times, the pastor gets a double, triple dose of what you're getting right now. So sometimes I sit in my office and I go, I am so sorry, Lord. Forgive my unbelief. They adore him as an infant, but they will not pay honor and reverence to the Son of God who came to redeem them from their sins. They accept the frills of Christmas, the manger, the shepherds, the wise men, Joseph and Mary, but they cannot bear the arrival of the Son of God in human flesh. Why? Why? The war, and because of that, the world ignores the core of the Christian faith. Jesus is the core of the Christian faith, as you well know. People out there, even over the internet, are saying, well, I'm a good person. Why do good things happen to bad people? I mean, why do good things happen to good, bad things happen to good people? You know why bad things happen to good people? Because there's none righteous. No, not one. You're comparing yourself to your neighbor or your spouse. You're a sinner, too. There's no good people. How you become good and righteous is by receiving Christ as your Savior. It's written right in John chapter 1, but as many as received him, he gave him the right to become the child of God. There's a gift under your Christmas tree right now. It's from God. Go take it. Open it up and receive it to yourself. Don't wait till next Christmas. You might not have a next Christmas. The way the world's going, I'm wondering if the world's even going to be here. Except I know better because I read the scriptures. The world will be here. I might not. Praise God. Listen. You must receive Christ. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth man confesses unto salvation. I could go on and on, but I'm going to have to stop. I knew this was going to happen with this message. i got probably five more pages here. I just want all of us to grow up. 
not about an infant baby in a manger who was the Son of God. It's about a written Savior, a risen Savior who died for your sins and didn't remain a baby. His deity is shown by his resurrection, which nobody can disprove, which even even uh, scholars from the past say Jesus has risen from the dead. He's alive and well. I know it because I met him. I know you met him too. You probably wouldn't be here. I'm hoping that those that didn't meet him will meet him. And all you got to do, he will always hear your prayer of repentance. I don't care if you murdered a hundred people. I don't care if you were in World War II or Vietnam or Korea and, and killed people. God will always hear the prayer of repentance, no matter how bad you are. Billy Graham says, come as you are. I'm saying, come as you are, but don't leave as you were because you receive Christ as your Savior, the risen Lord and Savior who no longer is on the cross, but it's right here, right now. Father God, I thank you for your word. Your word so beautiful, Lord. Your, your, the hymns we sing, the, the, the Christian songs, Lord, Lord, we love them because they sing of you, our great God, our great King, our great Savior, and our great Lord. Lord, we want the world to know you. Little Freedom Church, Lord, wants the world to know you. So, Lord, open their hearts. Only you can do that. Ezekiel says you took, they were going to take Israel's heart of stone and make it flesh. I pray the same thing for this world right now. You take their hard, rotten, broken hearts, stone hearts, and make it pliable flesh so they can hear this message and willingly receive Christ as their Savior, not as a baby in a manger, but as a God who conquered their sin and gave them eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Tune in next week at 10 a.m. We're going to have a lot of Christmas songs. I love you all, whether I've seen you or not. God bless.